some of the eye for detail blogs that I'm recording are about the technique uh, of doing things for market research uh, and some of them are more applied and, and that's one of the ones we're going to look at today and hopefully get in just get into the weeds a little bit of of how to get inside the topic and we look at looking at customer loyalty today now I guess a lot of people think that this is a bit of a binary thing that either you're loyal to a brand or you're not and I'm going to argue today that actually there are degrees and types of loyalty and that the bond is stronger for some some folk than others um, now before we get into how we illustrate those different types of segments uh, let's just look at a few basic headlines of ways to create loyal customers and the first one is you've got to get beyond the transaction of the item itself and get into the emotions of doing business with the brand okay so what I mean by that is that you're looking to develop emotional customer benefits how customers feel when they buy from you across the whole experience not just the bit where they actually part with their money um, and that reduces the risk of basically they're just buying on price and every time they, they make the physical purchase and they, they see that price, they realize they're getting great value for money. The second sort of higher principle is, is don't try and lock customers in. Think about locking them out. Now, what I'm talking about here is that there are loads of firms that use locking clauses. So you can think of things like maybe your telephone company, you know, smartphone provider, um, or maybe your bank or other financial services where to say that you're loyal to them is a bit generous. There's a lot of inertia there that basically there might be clauses that says, well, you know, you've committed to a whole year and you're stuck with us. And then they'll try and do something for you in the last month to get you to stay for another year. So that's what locking in customers is all about. What I'm talking about is let's try and lock out your competitors. So we want you to fall in love with the benefits as a customer that our brand offers. That's how you win real loyalty. And then they stay because they want to, not because they have to, because they, they signed a contract. And the third kind of overarching hook for creating loyal customers is to innovate around the things that customers dislike the most. Um, so what I mean by that is that, you know, rather just sort of differentiating just for the sake of it, you know, change colors or change the way we do things, target your, your efforts, particularly when it comes to innovation, around the pain points in the customer experience where they're kind of, you imagine them wincing when they're trying to do something and it's awkward. So you're looking for ideas that fix, fix things that you know customers don't like, but go, go beyond that. You want to build these changes into your business model. So in other words, you're looking for ways that when you fix something that customers don't like, actually it's driving profit for your business as well. So it's good for them and it's good for you. Um, and by benefiting both the company and your client, then the firms have a kind of vested interest in always looking for solutions every day that, that help the customer. Okay, so far so good then. You've got three higher level um, principles that for companies means they're more likely to keep their customers. However, just seeking to hold on to customers really is not enough, particularly in the really competitive world that we live in today. And it certainly isn't enough 
to command loyalty, especially in sectors like retailing or, or credit cards where customers usually deal with more than one company. Either their wallet has a number of cards in, they shop right across the high street. So instead, you know, firms should be thinking about segmenting their customers based on whether their level of engagement and purchase is trending up or down. Now, why is that so critical? Because many, many more customers change their behavior than defect altogether and just stop trading with you. So by, by monitoring and responding to customers migrating across one level of loyalty to another, then a business has an opportunity to both maintain and grow your kind of super loyalists but also to try and manage the ones that, for whatever reason, have a declining interest in, in your brand. Now, back in 2002, I mean, goodness, nearly 20 years ago now, um, the, the management consultancy, McKinsey, they published a, a, a groundbreaking paper across a whole range of industries looking at this concept, this concept of, of loyalty migrating around. And they came up with six segments that I think are really, really useful and interesting. I'm going to summarize them for you here. But they fall into th two groups. One is the group of loyalists, and the other is the group of migrators. So the loyalists are the ones that are sticking to you. The migrators are the ones that are moving around, maybe a little further away. But they have their own sort of individual characteristics. So let's get into them and have a little look at them now. Let's start with the top group. They're called emotive loyalists. So these are your diehard fans that they rarely even consider purchasing anywhere else. And they firmly believe that your brand is right for them. And examples of that might be uh, maybe Apple or uh, Harley Davidson. Or, and for some folk that includes sort of really old school FMCG brands like Colgate Toothpaste. You know, it really, really comes down to trust once they decided they trust you, that's it. They're in for life. Great. Now, what about the level below that? They're called inertia loyalists. Now, these folk, they rarely think about leaving either, but it's because they perceive there's a sort of hassle factor of going elsewhere. So I've already mentioned banks, um, utility companies, you know, gas and telephone and so on where you're very familiar with the company, how the product works, how the billing works, and maybe have an app now for it that you're familiar with. And those are the sorts of companies that, that fall into this category. You stay because you're familiar with it, not because you really love them and, and, and trust them. And then the third set in this group of what we're calling loyalists are the deliberative loyalists. Now these people, unlike the other two groups, they actually reassess alternatives to your brand quite a bit, quite often, but in a rational way, not so much an emotional way. So examples might be perhaps grocery stores or petrol stations where there's usually quite a strong convenience pull to it. So it's really easy for me to switch. I happen to be passing. I always normally uh, buy fuel at Shell, but I just happened to be passing a BP and it was convenient at that moment so I chose a different brand. Same with, with grocery stores. Maybe it's just not quite in my normal pattern. And so I swap away from the brand that I'm used to. So that's a deliberative loyalist where they're not making a conscious effort to end the relationship, but they're easily tempted away, mainly on convenience grounds. 
Now let's look at the, the migrators. And the first group is the lifestyle migrators. So this group either leave or they reduce their purchasing, not because they're unhappy customers, but rather because their lifestyle has changed. You know, perhaps they've started a family, or maybe their children are going to university now, or simply they're moving house. You know, their needs have shifted, and that's why their, their buying patterns are shifting too. The next set is the deliberator migrators, right? So we talked about the deliberative loyalists. This is the deliberator migrators. So like their kind of loyalist cousins, this group's behavior is a rational decision. They may have tried switching um, for whatever reason, and they quite like what they found. So what was originally a kind of an occasional alternative that they stumbled across or was just convenient for the moment is now becoming the preferred option. And a good example of this is happening in the UK over the last few years, and it's the rise of discount grocery brands uh, like Aldi and Lidl. Um, other, other examples you know, may be found in, in uh, maybe digital alternatives, so ebooks replacing physical books, and the list goes on. And then the final group uh, in this second set of migrators is the dissatisfied migrators. Now, this is who we usually think of, of people who have fallen out of love with your brand. They've usually had a, a bad experience of some kind, and this has prompted them to just reevaluate the market and just go out there and decide I'm moving. And even a diehard loyalist, our emotive loyalist at the top, even they can shift down to this bottom segment if you've really upset them. Now, usually it depends on how the problem was handled as well as the issue itself. And you can find this in almost any industry. So now we have our, our six segments, our degrees of, of loyalty. Let's get a bit more hands-on and practical with this approach. So a company, first of all, has to establish the mix of these segments in their own business. So for example, if you're an FMCG brand like Coca-Cola or Purcell, you might have 30%, even more, emotive loyalists. Hardly any dissatisfaction. They're so bought into the product formula, maybe the packaging as well. Uh, but in contrast, a mobile phone provider, you know, they might find at the end of a contract that throws nearly half of its customers into deliberation mode. They're reassessing the market. Um, even if a deal can often be done to keep that customer, the deal still needs to be done. You can't assume that they're automatically going to roll over. So how do you get to size those? Well, part of it is old-fashioned analysis of their, their buying behavior. Uh, so for those of you who know the RFM model, recency, frequency, and monetary analysis, I'll do a separate podcast uh, on that because that's a whole issue in itself. But that's a simple technique for addressing basically uh, how recently did, did someone trade with me? How many times do I see them trade over the course of a year or a period? Um, and how much money are they spending? Using those three characteristics actually gives you a really good feel to see if people are, are moving more towards you or, or, or shifting. But you also need to combine that behavior data with some attitudinal and emotional data. And the only way to get, get to that is by using surveys, feedback mechanisms, ways to get a window in the world of your customer. Find a reason to, to, to talk to them without making it always too explicit. Don't always make it a sort of formal survey but use that insight 
to get a feel for uh, their life and what they're doing and how your brand fits into the, the way that they live. So getting hold of that data enables you to, to see and size the different sorts of segments that you have. And I'll give you a really personal example uh, to bring this to life. Um, you know, recently I was in deliberator mode. I, I received my pet insurance. I have two dogs and I got the renewal note from my provider um, for one of my dogs. And the price had kind of kicked up a bit. And so I started checking around on the web looking for other quotes. And I rang up my, my current insurer and said, look, can you match this lower price that I found? And, and in doing so, I am flagging to my current provider, I am a deliberator. Are you going to recognize that? And actually, as it turned out, they did. Because instead of just matching the price or saying, no, that's the deal, take it or leave it, what the agent actually said was, well, let's just look at the things that are in your price, what the, the features in your policy cover. And they picked out two things. One was lifetime cover and the other was uh, overseas cover, where their offer is particularly strong and quite relevant to my needs. And actually, those were two of the things that I signed up with them for in the first place. Now, I won't say it was enough to make me renew there and then on the spot, but it did stop my defection for a few weeks whilst I think about it. And uh, actually, these two features ultimately did make me renew. So hopefully, over the course of the last 10 minutes or so, we've seen that brand loyalty really is not a binary thing. It's not either you're a true brew loyal or you're not. There are degrees and types of loyalty and that the bond is stronger in some segments than others um, and that you can move around between these segments depending on your life. And as a company then, it is well worth the effort to identify this blend of, of loyals and migrators, the top two groups, uh, look at the blend that you have and, and think about specific tactics to manage each segment. So some actions are going to be both cheaper and more effective than just giving them a kind of money off voucher or, you know, two months free or something like that. That's kind of going to be expensive. That sort of deal based effort should only really be given to those deliberators who are genuinely going to move and, and for whom a price discount might actually make all the difference. Um, and remember, by the way, don't insult a dissatisfied customer if they're thinking of leaving with the, giving them a really paltry offer, like a, you know, a couple of dollars off is going to actually make them more determined to leave because they feel that that's been you know, a bit insulting. So uh, think about some techniques, and I'm going to give you in another podcast some further examples of how you can use different tactics for different segments for, for, for loyalty. But for now, hopefully that has got underneath the headline of what customer loyalty is all about and using an eye for detail we've got into a much more sophisticated way of managing it i'll see you next time